Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. We hope you enjoy this week's message from our guest speaker. So my message this morning is entitled Engaged in a Great Work. We're living in a time I'll focus mostly on Canada, but even in our cities of what would be known as post-modernism or even post-Christianity, where, where people are living without any of the effects of Christianity in their lives and in their culture. There's a term that gets thrown around quite a bit. It's called deconstructionism, and it's, it's literally trying to examine something to reveal its weaknesses. And, you know, we hear this a lot in, on the West Coast. Incidentally, where we live, we live five minutes from the U.S. border, just like you guys do. It's just you have snow, we have rain. It's the only difference. It's spring at home. I don't know what you call this now in March. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but there, people are saying that Jesus' theology and Jesus' teaching is outdated and it's not relevant. Or the, the questions are, did God really say that? Or does that verse really mean that? And they try to deconstruct it and come up with different thoughts and ideas. Or what kind of loving God would actually do that? Blah, blah, blah. So we live that. And our nation is divided over things like this. It's divided politically. It's divided culturally. It's divided spiritually. Unfortunately, over the last season, churches experienced division. People had different views and political stances and all sorts of things, and churches across the country were devastated and divided. People were leaving and starting new ones, and oh man, it, it's just been, people in our culture right now are confused. Like they don't know what side is up, they don't know the truth. I, it almost feels like Chicken Little, like oh no, the sky is falling. You guys wouldn't even know that nursery rhyme. I'm sorry, I, you know, this is when it starts showing my age. But, you know, it's like the world is coming to an end. What, what are we going to do? And people are afraid and people are confused and people are tired and worn out. And when they're like that, they become more confrontive and less forgiving. And that's where I see a lot of things going on in our nation. And so my message this morning comes from the book of Nehemiah. And this is a story of a man who was called to rebuild the walls of a city. And I feel often in this season, we need to do some rebuilding. You know, there's, there's areas, and, and I would say, you know, you might be thinking, well, I'm not a city, but in our personal lives, maybe we're walking through circumstances or things need to change, that we need to be rebuilding things in our lives. And so I love looking at Nehemiah, because he's a builder, and I, I would just say to you this morning that people in our nation, I would say people are in wink, pe people are, people, that's Winklerites, peopleers. Sorry. I know my kids, they just roll their eyes and they say, Dad, <laughs> but I still do it anyway, so that's, that's all right. But people in Winkler, people in Morden need an encounter with Jesus Christ. And I love what the scripture says, that Jesus brings all things together. 
If we want to see things rebuilt in our nation, it's going to be through Jesus Christ who brings all things together. The scripture says Jesus holds all things. The Jesus, the, sorry, the scriptures say that Jesus is the truth. Colossians 1.17, he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. We need to focus on Jesus Christ, his truth, his word, the gospel that he proclaimed and died for. So this morning, engaged in a great work. And I'm just going to give you a little background because it's kind of like, you know, you could be sitting with a crowd and say, oh, you remember such and such a joke? And everybody laughs and then they never tell the joke, right? Because, well, everybody knows it. But I'm not going to assume that you all know this story. But Nehemiah in the Bible is a book but it's also a person. And Nehemiah was a reformer and God was working through him to reform and rebuild. And he was in a fortress in Susa, which is now in Iran. It's called Shush. It's a modern day city in Iran. And he, he had someone come from Jerusalem and tell him Jerusalem is in disrepair. The walls are broken down. And so it is his first response because this was his people. The Jewish people, they were his people. He wept and he cried and he fasted and he prayed for those people. We need to be fasting and praying for the people in our cities to just believe that God is going to move in their midst. And so he was, he was a cupbearer for the king and so he was serving the king wine in chapter two and, and the king noticed he was sad and he was never sad. Asked him why he was sad. He explained, the walls of my city have been broken down. And so the king actually gave him permission to go and work. And he supplied things. He wrote him a letter to get him through all the enemies to rebuild the walls. And if you could think about this, he's in Iran and he's going to Jerusalem. And by horseback and by walking, he's going literally from Winkler to Calgary. So it was a three-month journey, something that we can do two days driving, or if you're really good, you can do it in really fast or really not following the speed limit. You could do it in a day, but you wouldn't do that because you're all Christians. So <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but it took him three months, three months to get there, and he's going to build this city, and when he said it to the people, I love, I love some of these statements that I'm going to share with you this morning. Uh, then he says, he told him about the gracious hand of God after the king had sent him and commissioned him. He says, he, he talked about the gracious hand of God that was on him and about the conversation with the king. And the people replied, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began to work. I love a yes spirit. They began to rebuild the wall. Now, this is a rather daunting vision. And forgive me if I say this in old math, but the wall itself was about two and a half miles around the city, which is, uh, what's that, four kilometers? And then it was 40 meters high. Sorry, 40 feet high, 12 meters high. That's, I don't know how high the ceiling is, but I would say it's probably 30 feet. And so you think the wall is that high, built of stone, built of stone. And it was eight feet or two and a half meters wide. 
So they come and they see this. This is the project. And yet they had this yes spirit. This is a huge vision and a huge project. But yes, let's build the ball. We can do this. We are able. And I love in in chapter 2, verse 20, where he replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding the wall. So if you turn to me to Nehemiah, I know I should read the Bible, right? Nehemiah chapter four. I'm gonna read 10 verses here this morning. And then I, I'm gonna talk to you. The first part of my message is kind of negative, but about things that can discourage you. Because we see that in the scriptures. But there's also ways that you can be rebuilt. And hopefully by the end of this, you'll be rebuilt. <clears throat> but chapter four, <clears throat> excuse me. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that they were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samaritan army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? What does this bunch of poor, feeble gospel mission church people think they're doing in the city of Winkler and Morden? You can make it real if you want. Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite who was standing beside him remarked, the stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked on it. And then I prayed, hear us our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back in their own heads and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. At last, the wall was completed to half its height, so 20 feet, around the entire city. And the people had worked with enthusiasm. The next verse Sorry, but when, no, I'm lost. Verse seven, when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ashdodites heard that their work was going ahead and the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw them into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. And then listen to this. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there's so much rubble to be moved, we will never be able to build the walls ourselves. Halfway through their project, halfway through, you know, and I I think, we can think, well, maybe you're talking about the church, but maybe it's something in your business, maybe it's in your personal life, maybe it's in your, your focus in education and where you're headed in education and and things just aren't coming together like they should, you get discouraged. Or, and so I'm gonna give you four things that I think cause discouragement that I see in this passage because they got discouraged halfway through the project. The first thing is this. When something takes longer than expected, we get discouraged. I don't know what they thought, you know, when, when you look at it, they rebuilt the wall in 52 days. So 26 days into it, they were discouraged and they were tired and they thought, we'll never be able to do this. 
I don't know if you've set yourself on something or you have a project that you're working on or there's some circumstance in your life and it's like, this is taking way longer than I expected. You get discouraged. In 2021, August 2021, I ordered a new car. I've never had a new car before. But my mom passed away and we had an inheritance. And we thought, we're going to get a new car that will last us till we die. I know that sounds morbid, but it's probably true. Um, <clears throat> so I ordered a car in August 2021. I got it last month. Two, a year and a half later, I got it. And, you know, the, the salesman said, yeah, two to four months, you should have your car. And so I'd go in, is my car here? Nope, it's my car here. I got so tired of doing that. And then I'd email the manager and say, where's my car? And I did that for a while. I just got like, is this car ever going to come? And then to top it off, uh, one of our staff members, I'll use this word because it's in the scripture. It wasn't like that, but he kind of mocked me. We do Secret Santa at Christmas time. And this last Christmas, and we're talking like 18 months into this, and I've got no new car he was my secret Santa. He gave me a little matchbox toy of an SUV, and it was like, ha, 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 you still don't have your car yet. He didn't say that, but I knew what he was thinking. And not only that, the next week I get another gift in my box, and it's, uh, it's new car freshener. <laughs> and all he did, he kept giving me things to remind me, you don't have your car yet. Well, thankfully, I, I got it last month, and I'm really happy to have it, and I'm, no, I'm not worshiping, but it sure is nice to have it. The workers got tired. They're never able to do it. The remnants of the wall, it just seemed insurmountable. And you get exhausted, and you get tired, and Jesus even says, are you tired, and are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away from me, and, or get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And Galatians says, let's not grow weary in doing well. And I love this. For in due season, you will reap a harvest. In due, se in, in due season is God's time. We get discouraged when something's more complicated than we thought. Have you ever been in that place where you, know, you start a project and think, oh man, this is way harder than I thought. Or, you know, I, I know sometimes if you're in school and you're doing a, an, a project and something like that and you have this great idea and you get started and they go, oh man, this is way more, I don't know if I want to put that much work into it. It gets more complicated than you thought. We, uh, Timon and I have been in our house for 30 years and as you know, because everybody talks about it here, it rains in BC. And uh, we have, around the outside, we have a cedar, not a cedar, but a fir baseboard. And then the siding and everything, you know, just kind of finishes it off. Well, after 30 years, it started rotting. And so I thought, well, that's no big deal. I can, I can fix that and start ripping it off. And all of a sudden, I can see further in and the floor joists in that part, they started rotting and parts of the walls started. And I'm thinking, oh, then you got to hire somebody. It just gets more complicated. You get discouraged when something becomes more complicated than you wanted. 
A third thing is this, you get discouraged, you start to doubt your own ability. I don't know if you've ever been in that place, but when we first started Southgate, um, to be honest, I didn't know anything. Um, nobody really taught us about leadership or building teams or having a staff. Or I knew how a service went in church because I'd obviously been in church a lot. And so we started off and I, you know, I hadn't hardly preached and I would go out every morning, and on Sundays particularly, I had this prayer walk I do, and down one street, I'm just declaring the goodness of God and praising God, and you know, I love creation, and the next, next road I would walk on, I would, I would just begin to pray through the points of my message, and I'd get to the end of that road, and I'd just say, Lord, why am I doing this? And then I'd start thinking of people in the congregation, so-and-so is way better at this. And we had some pastors that were in the church and stuff, and I think so-and-so could, they'd be way better. And, you know, you just, I started doubting my ability, and the Lord answered me the same way every time. When I said, why am I doing this? He said, because I called you. And all of a sudden, it just reinvigorated me, and I I had a greater sense of purpose. And I I think it's important for you guys to know that too, that you maybe are doubting your ability in a certain area or what you're able to do, and and just, you know, you say to the Lord, and just know that what you're doing, God is calling you into, and that He will be with you. The Scripture says, the God of heaven will give you success. But we get discouraged when we start doubting our own ability. We get discouraged when the opposition grows stronger. And we see all the way through that passage I read and all the way through, Sanballat and all the other enemies, they were always mocking the Jews. They were always speaking against them. And it seemed like the opposition was growing stronger and stronger. And they didn't know what they were going to do. They didn't know how they were going to respond. And they got discouraged. And it's not enough now that We often in our culture see opposition to the church in the community, but we've gone through a season where there was opposition and division within the church. And it's like the enemy within was just as bad as the enemy without. And church, we need to stand against that and know, but the opposition will always grow stronger. And we do have an opposition. We have an unseen opposition in heavenly realms and spiritual places of wickedness that we need to stand against. We talked about the God who breaks through, the God who overcomes. We sang about it this morning. Come on, that's what we need to believe when we sense that the opposition is growing stronger. Maybe you're trying to accomplish something and it just seems like you come up against a wall all the time. It gets so discouraging. But just know that the God of heaven will give you success. But it causes fear when there's an unseen opposition. I love, this is kind of, you know, Paul writes this and we don't know, you know, but he says, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And in the message, uh, Psalm 73, I love how it says, no doubt about it, God is good. He's good to good people. He's good to the good-hearted. But I nearly missed it. I missed seeing his goodness. I was looking the other way, looking up to the people at the top, envying the wicked who have made it. Sometimes we lose sight of the goodness of God and we get distracted on the distractions of the enemy and things that come against us and things that are preventing us from accomplishing what we feel God called us to do. But come on, keep your eyes focused on the goodness of God. So this is how Nehemiah responded to discouragement. 
Four things, just to overcome the four negative things I just gave you. Refocus on the Lord. You know, in Nehemiah, it says, uh, he says this statement in verse 14. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and victorious. I, I don't know where you might be in a circumstance or a situation, but maybe you just in your own heart and spirit need to declare, I remember, Lord, how good you are. I remember your goodness, O oh God, how great and glorious you are. They're rebuilding the walls around the city and they're doing it for the glory of God. You just remember to refocus on the Lord. I remember a story in 1 Samuel chapter 30 where David, King David, you know, he, he took his army off and they went to fight a battle. And when they came back to Ziklag, all of their family and were all captured and the city was in ruins. Well, these mighty men of David, they gathered around him and they were disappointed and they were discouraged and they were gonna stone David. You can imagine, right? You got these mighty warriors around you and they're, all, and they're standing around you in a circle and they pick up a stone. And we're talking like, this is, this is King David. You know, he was my hero. But the Bible says in the middle of that, this crisis, it says, David strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, it doesn't say how he did that, but I'm thinking what we see from David when he goes through discouragement, when things are difficult, when, you know, he says, you know, his soul's disturbed. Yet will I praise the Lord God, my Savior. I believe that he strengthened himself by lifting up the name of the Lord and declaring, no matter how bad things are right now, God, you are my Lord and Savior. You're the King, and I worship you. And, and it seemed like the whole circumstance and situation turned around. You know, Scripture's over and over again says, call out to the Lord, cry out to the Lord. Answer me when I call you. How long will it be? Yet, God, will I praise you. Um, I listened, listened to my cry for help, or Psalm 40, I waited patiently on the Lord, and he turned and heard my cry. And then further down in Psalm 73, that one I was reading earlier, when he was saying the goodness of God, but he was distracted, it says, until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I saw the whole picture. I want to encourage you, and I, I sense it in your worship, you know, just that sense of the presence of God that, you know, and I think of Moses in Exodus when he said to the Lord, he says, we're not going anywhere unless your presence goes before us. You see, for these, for, for the psalmist, it was like, when I entered into your presence and into your sanctuary, I began to see the whole picture. You begin to see those things that are distracting, and you then turn your focus on the Lord. The third one is this, resist the discouragement. Humble yourselves before God. I'm sorry, I, for, I left the second one out, didn't I? Just so you can have it reorganized whenever things aren't working. If stuff's not going for you to overcome discouragement, reorganized. What, what um, Nehemiah did is he took half the men and they had swords and they had shields, and they were there to protect. The other half worked, and the leaders stood behind them to support them. And, and they, they, they were prepared for the enemy to attack, but they still continued the work. They just reorganized what they were doing, and they still accomplished the work. 
And then the third, the piano, that's the sign, right? <laughs> I'm not dumb. I've been in church for a long time. <laughs> Resist the discouragement. And that maybe seems hard, but James 4, he says, humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And they were having issues there, like their finances and the taxes. The, the governors were taxing them and they were, you know, there wasn't enough food. And, and so Nehemiah brought everybody together and they had a family meeting and resolved all of the issues. You're having a general meeting tomorrow. And then they moved forward. But he reorganized everything. The last one is this, respond in faith. Faith in every circumstance you should be ready to accept a challenge and take a risk for God because of your faith. Choose faith, not fear. And I want to just close. You've heard pastors say that before, right? I'm going to close with this passage, and this is, this is the great way to conclude. So they're, they're finishing the job. They're doing it, and in chapter 6, Sambala, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So Sambalat, Geshem, sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plains of Oh No. Oh No. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied to the message to them, I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop, uh, why should I stop working to come and meet with you? I'm engaged in a great work. You, Gospel Church, you're engaged in a great mission. You're engaged in a great work. Don't allow the enemy to distract you. Don't allow the enemy to come against you. And even like these guys did, they, they wrote him a letter and they wanted him to go to the plains of, oh no, I always think of home alone, oh no. But can you imagine? And then after that, five times, they wrote him a letter trying to discourage him, trying to get him off his plan. And uh, now I have to find it in here again. So... This is his response when the fifth letter came. And they were telling lies about him and they were mocking him and trying to get him. And he says, uh, he says, there is no truth in any part of your story. You're just making up the whole thing. Have you ever been in that place where people have just made up a story, you have no idea where it came from, but they're doing it because they, they're trying to come against you. But here it is. They were just trying to imitate it, imi intimidate us imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Come on, there's, there's much to be done in Winkler and Morden and, and in this valley. Pimina Valley, correct? Not Pimimba, but Pimina. There's much work to be done. And this church, Gospel Mission Church, can I just tell you that you would be even more determined to do this great work, to see the gospel presented throughout the city and throughout different areas and regions of the city. Refocus on the Lord, reorganize, 
Resist discouragement. Respond in faith. You know, there's one verse back in chapter 3. It's when they're repairing the wall. It says, each one repaired the section immediately across from his house. Can I just tell you that you have a great work in your own neighborhood? You have a great work right across the road from your house. And that you would be engaged in it, engaged with a greater determination. Can I just say that Gospel Mission Church, you are engaged in a great work. Father, I thank you so much for this great church. I thank you for these great people who serve a great God. And I pray over them, God, just this sense of we can do this. I pray over them a yes spirit, whatever comes before them and whatever is upon them, there's a yes spirit to be engaged in this work that you've called them to do. I thank you, God, for what you've already done, but there is so much more that you will do through this church, in this community, in this region. God, I pray blessing and grace over this house in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.